Hi, this is Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures from back in the day. And you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, man. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's our old friend Chris Porter. Men don't, they don't know how to be men anymore for a lot, a lot of us. No one knows how to change their oil anymore. Nobody knows how to fix a toilet, hang a television, especially where I live in California. Haven't talked to Chris in a while. I had a funny conversation with him about uh, America, Americana, and uh, kind of the similarities and differences between different parts of the USA. Uh, let me see, we also have the Song of the Week coming up from George Ezra, so stay tuned for that. But first, how's about a dumb bit? I always hate to make light of a situation when tragedy strikes, but then again, sometimes satire and parody is one of the only ways that we can combat these things. And of course, uh, we were talking about the tragedy in Florida that happened about a week and a half ago now. And uh, I just wanted to play a, a bit that we did shortly after what happened in Las Vegas and just kind of concerns uh, kind of the odd position that the gun lobby takes uh, on these matters. So here is that. This is, uh, this is from back over the summer. The NPR program on the media has a little checklist that they uh, have posted on their website that people are supposed to consult whenever there is a mass shooting, uh, something that happens, of course, all too often in the United States. And uh, among the rules, I believe I don't have it in front of me, but among the rules are there's almost always never a second shooter. The first reports are always wrong about everything going on. And one thing they don't have on the list, which they should at the end of it, is that afterwards we cannot discuss anything about laws involving guns. Mm-mm, no way. Can't do it. Well, in the wake of the uh, tragic shooting in Las Vegas, uh, things have kind of turned out a little differently than usual. Uh, people still don't want to talk about it, but then they kind of do. I'll explain. Uh, first of all, the, the good guy with a gun, bad guy with a gun thing didn't really work out for them because there were a lot of good guys there, and the Las Vegas police performed quickly and wonderfully. Uh, I, I don't know how they found the guy so quickly, but he was 30 floors up and 300 yards away. So every good guy with a gun that was at that concert, it wouldn't have made any difference. So that's one. Well, what people have kind of centered in on now uh, isn't so much the, the gun. It is the gun, but something he attached to his gun in order to make it function differently. It's a thing you may have heard about. This new, it's called a bump stock. And it. Um, I'm going to explain this wrongly because it, it doesn't make an automatic, a semi-automatic rifle into an automatic rifle but essentially, that is what it does. It allows you to squeeze the trigger and fire off multiple rounds. And well, uh, about a week after uh, all of this, people started turning up talking about these things and people you would not expect saying things you would not expect. For example, Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma on Fox News said this. Uh, that mimics an automatic weapon, which we as Americans said decades ago uh, that we would not allow for civilian use. Uh, so that, that's already a settled issue in American law. The issue is, is this an exception in the process? Is this something that needs to be confronted and changed? Those are all questions that are reasonable questions after an event like this, and quite frankly, were reasonable questions in 2010. 
2010. Keep that date in mind. It becomes important in just a minute. Uh, another clip from Fox News. Uh, they had a gentleman on named Brad Blakeman. He was a, a deputy assistant or something or other in the George W. Bush administration. And uh, he further explains about the bump stock and why we're, why we're taking a look at it. I think it's absolutely time. Like any other regulation of any product in, in America, we should absolutely look back from time to time to make sure that our laws are consistent with public policy. What in the world? Okay, you have two Republicans talking about, it's not, not restricting guns, but it's uh, something that goes on a gun. And remember, back years and years ago, they uh, wanted to outlaw what were called hollow point bullets. And I believe if I'm remembering this correctly, it's because uh, those are more lethal and they have a better chance of going through police bulletproof vests. I think that's the, the thing. I think they've improved the technology now where that maybe isn't the case. But uh, police uh, organizations did not want hollow point bullets out on the street because they were more lethal. And the NRA said, no, 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 you have to have hollow point bullets. So this is kind of the same thing. It's not the actual weapon, but it's something used with the weapon. And you have this Republican saying, hey, we should look at at, uh, at banning these things. And 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 why, why are Republicans so excited about uh, banning these? Well, Mr. Blakeman reveals the answer right here. Uh, in 2010, President Obama, with his ATF, deemed that the bump stock was an accessory Oh, there it is. Yeah, just for clarity again, Mr. Blakeman, why are we all of a sudden looking at uh, banning a gun accessory? President Obama. Okay, got it. Thank you very much. And the NRA released a statement saying, yeah, we should probably look at these things. But if you if you kind of look at the statement, it's pretty hilarious. They start off saying, uh, yeah, we should look at this. And when they get to the end of the statement, it's kind of like, you know what? You know, we shouldn't be banning anything. We want, to, we want to infringe on Americans' gun rights. So uh, a question I have, if these things were so terrible, and they are actually terrible. I'm not if they're terrible. They are terrible. Uh, but if they think they're so terrible now, where were the gun experts, the NRA, the people who should be the experts in all of this, where were they in 2010 saying, hey, President Obama, this is a bad idea. You might want, where were the lobbyists saying, hey, no, no, we shouldn't uh, be allowing uh, bump stocks? They were completely and utterly silent. And the second lesson to be learned from this, of course, is um, you could transpose this over to healthcare. Well, President Obama should have been, uh, you know, uh, for things like denying people with pre-existing conditions and maybe even for a single payer. And and we would have gotten those things in the long run because Republicans would have come back to us and said, you know, hey, uh, you know, that we don't have single payer is terrible. And the reason we don't have single payer is because President Obama. I want to tell you all that this episode of PF Tape Recorder is brought to you by Old School Shirts, and you can find that at OldSchoolShirts.com. What is that, PF? Well, you may recall that uh, we were involved with Home Shirts Cleveland for a long time, an offshoot of Cincy Shirts, and it fe featured vintage apparel from Cleveland, uh, you know, stores and teams that aren't around anymore, but people still love and remember, and we were also in some other cities as well. But it has been relaunched as OldSchoolShirts.com, and now includes Atlanta, Baltimore, Brooklyn, Chicago, Detroit, Houston, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Louisville, Manhattan, Milwaukee, Nashville, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Portland. Whoops, I, lo I got lost track here. I, lo I went off the thing here. Uh, Cleveland, of course, Seattle, and St. Louis. Now, uh, some cities we have a lot of stuff, like uh, Cleveland and Indianapolis. Uh, others, we're adding stuff, like Chicago and Phoenix and Seattle. But uh, do head there for your vintage apparel needs. We'll be adding more throughout 2018. In fact, uh, we're going to be involved a lot more with old school shirts in 2018. So do go there. Start shopping. It's a great way to support the show.
Chris Porter is a stand-up comedian originally from Kansas City, Missouri. You may know him best from his appearance on Last Comic Standing a few years ago, or you may have seen him on the TV or at your local comedy club. Here now is our interview with Chris Porter. Hey, Chris, it's P.F. from from Minneapolis City Pages. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How you been? I've been great, man. Just uh, enjoying as much as I can Syracuse, New York. Aha! My uh, my former sister-in-law is from there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was there once uh, in 82, I think. When they got married, and that was the last I ever saw of Syracuse, and my uh, that my brother lived there for a while with her, and I guess he has a seasonal affectiveness disorder, so they went to Florida, no job, no nothing, and wound up living in Orlando for years and years. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. This is not a place to stay if you're uh, susceptible to sadness. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I can imagine being, you know. Anyway, although you're from Kansas City, and you know, I'm talking to you from Cincinnati. I mean, we know what winter is like. We know that, that January through March is a that's a grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems a little, but it's rough up here for sure. But uh, you live in Los Angeles now, right? Yeah, I've lived there for about 13 years now. Yeah, so I mean, that's got to be. I mean, you miss you miss Kansas City? Do you miss winter and things like that at all? Uh, I miss Kansas City. I don't miss winter. But uh, I definitely, you know, and to be fair, I definitely miss, you know, having a cold day and going into a warm house. Uh, you know, that's always a good memory. But uh, no, I don't. I don't pine for it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, winter's fine up until Christmas, and then yeah. I'm I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't need this real winter shit. I'll take the pre-winter. Yep. Um. So, I mean, when when you're traveling, when you're putting your gigs together, do you do you, do you take into consider consideration weather? Like, try to go to the northern places in the summer when it's oppressively hot, or do you just they, they take the gigs as they come? I take the gigs as they come. I wish I had the, the availability to be that selective, but uh, I don't. So, no, I just take the gigs as they come. Uh, that, you know. I've been to Fairbanks, Alaska when it was negative 60. Oh my gosh. So, it's, uh, I mean, you definitely experience the world. Um, uh, and you, you know, it definitely makes you, uh, love Los Angeles that much more. Yeah, that's always talking about people, you know, that live in Los Angeles is, you know, my wife and I fancy retiring to Florida where it's, where it's warmer. I thought, well, we do like California too, though. But then I always remember California is a great place if you have a steady gig or if you've got money. But if you don't, it's not. <laughs> Whereas <it's, laughs> it seems like Florida, you can skate by a little easier, you know, and, and still enjoy the weather. Well, from the videos that I've seen, there is a very, there's a large contingent of people scrounging for money. Yes. In Florida. That, that is true. Yeah. So. I guess it's all where you're at. So, like, what's new with you? I haven't spoken to you probably at least two, maybe three years. Well, let's see. I just released a new album called Lost in the Wild that came out in September. Okay. Uh, I've been touring the country on that. Um, I've got, I'm going to be on Comedy Central's This Isn't Happening with March. Oh, okay. And uh, so a lot of things are going well. Uh, just 
Yeah, last year was by far my busiest year in about 10 years. I did 40 weeks on the road, and uh, this year's shaping up to be just as busy, if not a little busier. Oh, that's great. So in the course of yeah. those 40, 40 weeks, did you uh, go to any new places, or did you just play different places in other places? or? Well, yeah, there's always new ones being added to the calendar. Last year I did Philly for the first time. I'm doing Portland this year for the first time ever. Uh, let's see, what else did I do last year? I got to do a lot of comedy festivals last year. It was nice. I did, uh, I got to go to the Montreal Comedy Festival, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all. Oh, yeah. Uh, I went to a comedy festival in Las Vegas, which was basically, uh, just 40 comics shit-faced, <laughs> uh, with shows intertwined. So, uh, but no, it was, a, it was definitely a good year, uh, Went back to went back to Fairbanks, Alaska last year, which was nice. Now, and uh, it wasn't balls cold, so that was good. That's nice. Now, I think I think Fairbanks might be the club where Slade Ham met his wife. I don't know if you know Slade out of Austin. Uh, I don't know that, but I know that's where uh, uh, not August Smith, Jamie Lissom met his wife. That's it. I'm Jamie Lissom. That's what I'm thinking of. It is exactly what I'm thinking. It's Jamie Lissom. Why did I think it was Slade? Oh, yeah. I know. I thought it was Slade Ham. Slade Ham told the story. Speaking of cold weather, and I never remembered to credit him until I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was in Edmonton, and it was so cold he got a cab to go across the street to the restaurant across from the uh, the comedy club there. That's how I got this yeah, confused. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I've been in Alaska when during the day it's negative 40 degrees. That's the ambient temperature, by the way. That wasn't windy. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. And you're looking across the street going, I can't go there because I would die. And uh, that's, that's an interesting uh, conundrum. It is. I was watching this thing on Nova about how people arrived in North America, and they said, well, they came across this land bridge into Alaska <laughs> And I'm like wondering, did they know there was some place warmer, or they just happened to luck out and keep pushing down, and finally realized, hey, it's a lot warmer down here than it was where we came from. Maybe we should stay down here in California and and uh, Oregon and Nevada. Oh, I'm the same way. I often think that the people of Denver are settlers that went to that were heading west and just saw the Rocky Mountains and said, "Fuck that, <laughs> we're done. Right? We're staying right here." Yeah, that looks too hard. That would be me. Yeah. Yeah. We're staying here with Bill Denver. Right. So as a, so. a, a person who travels the country, because I have this, this new job now where I'm, uh, I work for a, a t-shirt company and we, our sister site has, uh, all these different cities on it and it's all old type stuff. But so it makes me think that maybe America's gotten, less distinctive and more homogenous. But as you travel, the, it still seems that when I travel around, you know, some cities still have these unique things about them that you don't necessarily find in other cities. In your years of travel, have you found that to be the case? Are we getting more of the same? Do we, are we still hanging on to our, our uh, regional integrity? I would say both. I mean, it, it, it's all the, you have to go look for both of those things. Uh, you know, not every city has a historical past that, you know, has something to hold on to, uh, you know, but also, like, in any city, you can find a, what I call a mall town. Yeah. Where it's every, where it's very homogenized. It's basically a fake town that is a mall, uh, 
where Nordstrom's is mayor. Yeah. And, you know, you can find that anywhere in any city, but just as you can find that, you in most cities you can find a, a downtown or a bohemian area where you can go and learn about where people are still holding true to the town's roots. And I feel like that's really starting to come around. Like, you can see that in Dayton with the Oregon District. Yeah, it's a great uh, place. Yeah, and many, you know, obviously Minneapolis uh, also has that with the downtown area. And uh, so it's just like you can find either one. It's just what you're, you know, there are a lot of people that are scared by things that aren't P.F. Chang's. Yes. And Cheesecake Factory. And so, you know, they're, they're going to go to the mall town with the people that, uh, are maybe a little more cultured. They, they, most cities definitely have something for them. Like my hometown of Kansas City for a long time was just, uh, was just a giant mall town. And in the last 15 years, they've really kind of rediscovered their roots and have started building themselves back up and, and rebuilding the historical parts of Kansas City. Oh, that's cool. And I think you see that going on all across the country in all the cities. Yeah, it seems to be doing this this vintage T-shirt thing that we're doing. You kind of people are kind of rediscovering uh, things, and it's funny you mention that because where I grew up in Cleveland, it was uh, what you would call a mall suburb. We had a mall. It was very. We had all the fast food joint, all the national fast food joints, and then like you said, but the overall metropolitan area still had a lot of unique things to it. You know, pierogies and you know all kinds of distinct. And Cincinnati even more so here. Uh, we, you know, we have our Cincinnati chili. We have all these other kind of neat things. There's a big beer heritage here. I think you find other cities. So yeah, that's that's actually uh So do you, do you try to travel around and find those places when you get a chance to when you're in a, a town or a town you haven't been to in a while? I mean, I definitely, you know, a preponderance of the clubs now are going into the mall towns, which is a bit of a... It's a little upsetting, but, you know, as a, as a businessman, you kind of see why they're doing it. It's safe, people. You know, most likely, the people that are going to the, the more historical darker parts of town for lack of a better word they'll come to the mall uh, but the mall people won't normally come to the seedier parts where the fun is so that's you true. Know, a lot of the clubs are, go- are going into the mall towns so i do try to find a staff member and be like okay let's go find real syracuse or real toledo like where do you hang out because you know a world of beers in omaha looks a lot like a world of beers in uh, Fort Lauderdale. That's interesting because in Cleveland, I'm not even sure if it's still there anymore. I know Hilarity is still there, but the the powerhouse, the Funny Bone, the powerhouse down in the flats when the flats was still going, that was kind of been the. Oh, the improv is still there. Yeah, they moved it. It's okay. Now across the parking lot, but it is still there. Okay. Yeah, and that was always uh, a seedy part of town, and then it got really like cool in the late '80s and '90s, and then it was now it's virtually deserted again. So weird how that happens. Yeah, everything's real cyclical. I feel like, like uh, in Kansas City, there's Westport, where every ten years is the cool, safe place to go again, and then two years after that, they're like, "Oh, someone got killed in Westport. Don't go." Yeah, and so I just I feel like that's everywhere. Yeah, that's true. And now Toledo, that you mentioned Toledo, Toledo had a place like that too, right on the riverfront. And when they opened that thing, everyone's like, this is great. Every city should have this. And Cleveland talked about doing that. By the time I graduated from college, it was deserted. And it was li- literally a homeless shelter. They actually had converted into a homeless shelter. All the stores were gone. It's weird. Well, especially growing up in the 90s where everyone had money and everyone was, I mean, 
how many malls were built in the 90s that are already closed? Yeah. I would say thousands. Yeah. There's a, even a, a website dedicated to that, uh, deadmalls.com. And, yeah, it's just it's, it's strange how people's taste and, and things uh, change. So, like, so, what kind of things you talk about on stage these days? You know, I try to, uh, it's not so much what I talk about, it's what I don't talk about. I really try to avoid politics uh, and religion just because we've entered a, an era where everyone's so polarized, no one has the ability to laugh at themselves. They'll laugh about, they'll laugh at jokes about the people they don't agree with, but as soon as you start making jokes about them, it's, they can't, it's no longer jokes for whatever reason to them. Yeah. So, you know, back in the 90s, you could make a joke about Dole. And if you were a Republican, you'd laugh. Sure. You'd be like, ah, oh, that's funny. And now you make a joke about Trump, someone's going to go, fuck you. Like, it's not, no one has a sense of humor about it anymore. So I just feel like it's best for me to not, you know, because I want people to come to my shows and have a good time no matter what they believe. Right. And uh, I don't want people to come into my shows nervous that, I'm going to upset them. So I just felt like, especially for this particular cycle, they need to just leave all that shit alone. Uh, and, I, and to be fair, I don't really like talking about it anyway. Uh, but I, I do, uh, even if I come up with a good joke about Trump or something that's happened, I don't, I'll either put it on Twitter, but it, it won't go into the act. Uh, and I've also tried to, uh, try to stay away from the dating stuff only because I have, uh, talked about it at length yeah so uh, i'm just you know so it's more about that so we're just talking about regular everyday social stuff uh talking about a little bit about the pussification of man <laughs> uh but yeah just talking about growing up i guess you know i'm turning 40 this year so it's so- always a uh watershed moment oh sure well and then they you know they say when you're younger you you know you talk about like you said the dating the drinking and then as you get older and you have life behind you it, it becomes very advantageous because you have all this other stuff you can talk about now too and you, if you want to talk about the dating stuff and the drinking stuff you have that experience behind you but then now you have all this new stuff to talk about absolutely and uh and also it's just like I remember the other night I was doing a show and a guy yelled out how come you don't do any more pod jokes like I did them all <laughs> well, it's not funny anymore. There you go. How many can you do? Uh, I didn't, you know, but also I don't, I don't get people that come to a show only expecting certain kind of jokes. It's like, it's like going to a concert and expecting only ballads. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's people so, that like that, but, um, so what's, what, get back into the detail of this. You, you said the pussification of man. What, what's going on there? I just, you know, men don't, you know, they don't know how to be men anymore for a lot, a lot of us. I feel like, like, no one knows how to change the oil anymore. Nobody knows how to fix a toilet, hang a television, just basic man shit. Uh, especially where I live in California, it seems like, you know, you tell a girl, oh, I, I hung a TV today. And they're like, oh, how'd you do that? You're like, I, you know, you, you drill. And they're like, oh, my boyfriend doesn't know how to do that. I'm just like, what you, did he not have a dad? Because, uh, you know, my dad always, he drug me by the ear and showed me how to do that stuff. And I just, you know, I feel like, you know, 
dudes are sending dick pics. Like, we're getting super lazy. <laughs> and uh, so I just, I talk about stuff like that. Just, we need to start being men again. Hmm. I'm starting Treating to feel... <laughs> Building stuff, fixing stuff, treating women with respect. There you go. Yeah. Uh, starting to feel better about myself. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm 52, though, so I should know how to do all those things. But I replaced all the electrical sockets in the house um, last oh, weekend. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And, uh, that's man shit. That is. And didn't get shocked once. Oh, and replaced the light above the garage for the second time. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, although I feel my brother in law actually, he, like, did all the electrical work in my, uh, in law's former house in Florida. Like, he put those lights in the yard and everything like that and hooked them up. I could never do that. That's, that's a step beyond <laughs> me. But still. But I guess you're grading on the curve. I guess I'm doing okay. Well, <laughs> hey, we're always creating on a curve. Yeah. I mean, do you, I guess, do you live in an apartment or a condo? I mean, do you get much chance to do that kind of stuff? Or, I mean, you, I imagine you're pretty busy. I, I live in an apartment, but yeah, I, I mean, you, you still have to, you know, you buy a TV, you still have to mount it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I also just figured, you know, if I can do stuff around the apartment, I don't have to wait for the landlord to send someone out to do it. I can just do it myself. And, That's true. Not have to wait a whole day. Yeah. You know? So, are you fairly handy that way, or I can get some stuff done? I mean, I but I also know my limits. I'm not exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go try installing a, a ceiling fan. Yeah. Oh no, that that I can I, do. That that I'm pretty confident. Now, I if the the box has to be in the ceiling already. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't run the box. The box, if it's just a light fixture that you're replacing with a ceiling fan, I'm good to go. I'm your man. I've, I've, okay. I've, put, I've, put, I've put loads of those in, in two houses. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident with that. Um, I've painted two entire houses. I'm pretty good at that. So I've got some skills to if fall you, back I on. I might lose you for a second. I'm, getting, I'm on an elevator. All right. So if I lose you, I'll call you right back. All right, we'll see here. We'll see what happens. Uh... One. Wandering around Syracuse, riding an elevator. Are you in a mall or are you in an office building? I'm at the hotel. I'm oh, okay. out to get some coffee. Oh, there you go. Excellent plan. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, actually, uh, I'll let you take a coffee break at this point, and uh, like I'll say, we'll uh, uh, wish you the best of luck up there in Minneapolis. I'm sure we'll see you back down here in Cincinnati soon. Um, I think you were at Bananas last year, and I just recycled an old interview we did uh, for... Yes. So, uh, yeah, and I'm... Uh, you turn up once, or maybe even you'll turn up at uh, at our comedy festival again, uh, the Brouhaha. Dude, I'd love to do Brouhaha. That's one of my favorites. Oh, great. Yeah, I don't know. Mikey got a little frazzled last year, uh, putting together last year, so we'll we'll see if this one is still on. But it's always very popular, so. Very cool. Well, man, it was great talking to you, Pia. Good, good talking to you again, Chris. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll meet you in person again uh, when you're in town. All right. Talk to you, brother. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Thanks again to Chris Porter for being on the show. You can catch Chris March 1st through, it looks like, March 3rd at the Punchline in Philadelphia 
You can also catch him May 10th, it looks like, through May 12th at the Pittsburgh Improv there in Homestead, PA, right by where I used to live. And I'm sure I'll be filling in dates uh, as he goes along. I believe if you go to chrisporterisfunny.com and you can stay up to date that away. All right, so uh, just a couple of pieces of closing business, of course. Uh, shop at oldschoolshirts.com, of course, really helps the show. Uh, and I guess that just takes us to the song of the week, I reckon. Song of the week is from our old friend George Ezra. You may have heard uh, him doing the song Budapest about a year, year and a half ago. And it uh, doesn't matter now, you might have heard that. That might have gotten some play on American radio. Anyway, the new single is Paradise, just came out. And uh, it sounds very much like George Ezra's other stuff. But you also kind of kind of see some growth. Here's some growth in there. It's just a little poppier, a little bouncier than some of his previous stuff. And boy, it's, it's so strange to hear uh, such a big voice coming from such a, a skinny little British dude, really. Uh, anyway, the song is called Paradise. It's our song of the week on PF's Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. My love. My lover, 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 I'm in paradise whenever I'm with you. My mind, my mind, my, 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 my will it's a paradise whenever I'm with you. Ride on. ride on, I will ride on down the road, I will find you, I will hold you, I'll be there. It's long, well, it's a mighty long road, but I'll find you, I will hold you, and I'll be there. From those other boys But this time between It's something that I feel it I know you heard it from those other boys But this time between It's something that I feel it If it feels like paradise Running through your bloody veins You know it's love anyway If it feels like paradise Running through your bloody veins You know it's love anyway Time. My time, my time will it's a never ending helter skelter. We'll be out whatever the weather. My heart, my, heart. my boom boom heart. It's a beat and it's a thumping and I'm alive. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time between it's all in that I feel it. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time it's real. It's all in that I feel it. Running through your bloody veins, you know it's love heading your way. If it feels like paradise, running through your bloody veins, you know it's love heading your way.